coming up on episode 363 of the YLP podcast. It is the go-home episode before Night of Champions next weekend. And let me break down what I have on the docket for this week. Of course, we are going to be talking about the uh, about the news of the passing of the late great superstar Billy Graham, who had passed away this past Wednesday at the age of 79. We'll talk about the, uh, the love and the reaction that uh, Billy Graham received from the uh, entire professional wrestling world, and I think it's well damn deserved. Also, Sami Zayn thought he and Roman Reigns could have headline WrestleMania after the turn at the Royal Rumble. I had actually said this. I remember at one point during the build-up to WrestleMania, but he explains uh, that he had a, a, an interview with Mark Andrews uh, about the later stages of his story with the bloodline and how he thought it would end up leading him to a match with Reigns at Mania. We'll get into that. Also, Brian Danielson. Of course, after the announcement of AEW Collision this past Wednesday, it was announced Brian Danielson is to be part of Creative for AEW Collision. And also... We're going to kick off this week's episode discussing a little bit about the whole Seth Rollins ordeal in terms of, excuse me, in him uh, doing a movie role and possibly not being a lock to become world champion. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All that and more, of course. Y'all know what day it is. It is Saturday. Y'all know exactly what time it is. Ladies and gentlemen of the YLP universe, this is episode 363 of the YLP podcast. Let's hit that intro. Let's get it started. And with that being said, let us begin. What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling Issues Podcast here, and welcome to episode 363 of the YLP Podcast. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Saturday, and I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking this episode of the podcast, and as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. It is Saturday, May 20th. 2023 hope you guys have had a fantastic week i know uh, like i said last week i was traveling back to the state of colorado and i am back in colorado feels good uh dealing with the altitude is not as bad uh, but before i continue on of course if you have any questions comments concerns or opinions about today's episode or any of the other 362 episodes of the ylp podcast make sure you leave a voice message over on podcasters.spotify.com slash young lions perspective or podcasters.spotify.com slash radio. If you want to sound off in an email, don't hesitate to hit me up with one over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com. Like I said, I have been traveling, so there was no show last week, uh, like I said, and, um, I, um, you know, hopefully they didn't miss me that much. Uh, again, I appreciate y'all checking out uh, 
the last last episode, even though we had a little doo-doo, a little admin in the beginning of the episode. It was supposed to be 362, not 361. That was my bad. Uh, hopefully, y'all caught the note before y'all checked out the episode. Again, my bad. But again, hopefully, y'all had a good two weeks. Um, and we are back in the fold, getting ready, of course, for Memorial Day weekend going down next week. Night of Champions going down next week. Double or nothing going down next week. It is going to be crazy. All right. But before we do that, of course, y'all know it is a non-PLE pay-per-view weekend. So, of course, that means we got some time for the news of the week, where it's uh, pretty much all the news that's fit for me to talk about. And before I get into uh, the news, I want to, of course, uh, extend my condolences and love and prayers and all that good stuff to the family of superstar Billy Graham who uh, this past Wednesday died after expense, ex- uh, an exhaustive battle, according to Wrestle, uh, WrestlingInc.com, with uh, health issues in recent years. He was only 79 years old. I mean, the love that came out for Billy Graham is just insane, but well-deserved. I mean, Ric Flair coming out, you know, thanking him for his influence on his career. Jesse the Body Ventura sending his condolences, pretty much saying, quote, there wouldn't be a Jesse the Body Ventura without the in-ring success and trailblazing showmanship of superstar Billy Graham. One of my proudest wrestling memories was having the honor of being inducted into the same Hall of Fame class as Graham. Paul Heyman had to put put his two cents in saying, quote, before Billy Graham, performers in WWF, WWF, WWE were known as professional wrestlers. After Billy Graham left his mark, Vincent Kennedy remains decided everyone would be a WWE superstar. A most heartfelt rest in peace to the man of the hour, the man with the power, too sweet to be sour. Graham had faced several health battles since 2002, including needing a liver transplant, having double pneumonia, enduring possible heart failure, and internal bleeding. The original superstar has also dealt with repeated issues surrounding his liver and toes had uh, had his uh, surrounding his liver and had toes amputated last year. In late April, Graham's family said he had recently lost 80 pounds while in the hospital. Um, Diamond Dallas Page uh, put out a tweet saying, quote, Super bummed out to hear that one of my teenage heroes, one of the true towers of power, man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, superstar Billy Graham is on a ventilator. Much love and respect, bro. God bless you, brother. Please, prayers for superstar Billy Graham. Uh, WWE posted theirs, uh, of course, saying, quote, WWE is saddened to learn that WWE Hall of Famer superstar Billy Graham has passed away. We extend our condolences to Graham's family, friends, and fans. AEW Wrestling even uh, showed some love mourning the passing of superstar Billy Graham. Their thoughts with his family, friends, and fans. Uh, Sean Waltman, of course, uh, coming out saying, quote, uh, posting a picture of him when he was in fl- when, uh, working in Florida. Saying, quote, this is the version of superstar Billy Graham I got to see in Florida. He would come out to Kung Fu fighting, and I loved it. Rest in peace to the most copied man ever in professional wrestling. Billy Ray coming out saying prayers for one of the greatest heels slash entertainers and most influential wrestlers of all time. Superstar Billy Graham. And, of course, it's a video there. Uh, listening to, just listen to that crowd if you want to check that out. Iron Sheik saying, quote, the superstar Billy Graham, my brother for life. He was the champion and most over man in the business. He always showed me the respect. I love him. I miss him forever. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter says, quote, Eldridge Wayne Coleman, a master on the microphone and one of the greatest promos in our glorious business. Rest in peace, superstar Billy Graham. Hockey talk man coming out. Condolences going out to the superstar Billy Graham's family, HTM and Billy. 
met in Memphis many years ago. We became friends. Such a nice guy to be around. God bless you. Uh, Mark Merrill feeling it, of course, saying uh, this one hits me hard. As uh, wrestling superstar Billy Graham has passed on to paradise at the age of 79, he has been so kind and supportive of the work I do with students. My prayers are my prayers are for God's comfort to his wife, family, and all who loved him. He visited me. Let me see, and that goes into the tweet there. I'm just going to look at the tweet, and I'm going to X out of it. Relax. Takes a little bit of time to load. I got a lot of tabs. See, and all the family loved him. He visited me when I lived in Florida, and he and painted this picture in which I will forever cherish. The caption reads, I have rendered this painting for you in appreciation of your dedication for of influencing young people to make the right choices in life. Your friend, superstar, Billy Graham. Yeah, I mean, that's love right there, ladies and gentlemen. Especially, I mean, granted, in a world where especially in the IWC where we throw so much hatred and so much vitriol and all that stuff. And I've done it too for like some, sometimes not for the best of reasons. And I can admit that 100%. It is always, always good to hear when people do come out for people like superstar Billy Graham and really show their love and support. And the outpouring of it was just absolutely sensational to, to read, like just reading those tweets and seeing that is a very, very beautiful thing. And hopefully, um, in 2023, we 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 hope to see more of that. I mean, with the way that the world is right now, and with the way that everybody is, you know, dealing with their own shit in their own way. And trust me, I am too, 100. percent You know, it's good to take time out of your day to show love for someone else. You know, regardless of what they're going through. Just let them know that they're being, let them know that they are seen and that they are heard and being able to just show that even if it's just a tweet, even if it's just, you know, something, you know, a text saying I'm here for you or something of that nature. This should be a reminder to all of us that, you know, when you do good in life, good is being sent back to you. Superstar Billy Graham. I didn't get to see him wrestle live, but I, you know, of course, seen videos of him and his career. And he is one of the best period hands down. You know, he's not in my top 20 personally, but he definitely is, I'm sure. But he's an influence for a lot of talent uh, that we know and love now. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, one of the best to ever do it on the microphone, one of the best to ever do it in the ring, period. You know, and from what I'm reading there and from what I had seen in videos and whatnot, an overall damn good person. So um, on behalf of Wrestle Attic Radio, as I always do. Uh, we here at the Right YLP Podcast send our love, our prayers, and our thoughts to the family of superstar Billy Graham, who had passed away this past Wednesday at the age of 79. Okay, so this is going to be a very, very hard transition to do, but we're going to do it anyway. And I want to get into this whole bit about Seth Rollins. And everybody and their grandmama talking about the possibility of him not winning the World Heavyweight Championship because we found out Mans is working on a movie. Okay. Apparently, he is on the set. He is doing, he's, he's filming on a set of Captain America New World Order. And this is from uh, Microsoft, uh, my, not Microsoft Start, MSN.com by way of WrestlingNews.co. Apparently, Seth Rollins. To miss more time from WWE television, this is from Andrew Ravens. Seth Rollins 
is in a good spot in his career right now as he's positioned as a top guy in WWE. Seemingly a week away from becoming world champion and is also taking a big step in his acting career. Rollins didn't appear live on Monday's episode of WWE Raw as instead WWE aired video packages of to hype Rollins' upcoming match excuse me, against AJ Styles in the finals of the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament at Night of Champions next Saturday in Saudi Arabia. The reason he wasn't there was due to him filming on the set of Captain America New World Order. The Marvel movie is slated to be released on May 3rd, 2024. Although Robin Rollins is the heavy favorite to beat Styles and to become the World Heavyweight Champion, it's not a lock he'll become champion. As previously reported, Rollins is the number one guy for Triple H. But if Rollins doesn't win the match, it will be because they're telling a longer story. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that Rollins will be off next week's episode of Raw because he's filming the movie. Although not confirmed, he will likely be on the post-Night of Champions edition of Raw. I have been saying this since the World Heavyweight Championship was introduced to the uh, WWE Universe a few weeks ago. I had said this the second they announced it. The only person who should be holding that championship as the inaugural, quote-unquote, WWE World Heavyweight Champion is none other than Seth freaking Rollins. He carried the entire brand on his back for two years while Roman Reigns was gallivanting around with two titles. Okay? There is no other person on that brand that deserves to hold that World Heavyweight Championship than Seth Rollins. AJ Styles and, and Rollins, I know, will put on a solid fucking match. We already know that to be true. It bees what it bees. It is what it is. But seriously, why would WWE consider not giving the title to Rollins to push for a longer story? No. No. You give it to the man who's been really, like, being the top guy. He is seen as a top guy, is he not? He is a top guy. So why would you not treat your top guy with the top championship for a brand? I mean, we can get into all the logistics about, you know, why are SmackDown superstars competing in this tournament and all that stuff when it could just be like a simple four-man tournament. We can knock that out in a few weeks, you know, and still have the title be defended. Well, not defended. The title be given and fought for at Night of Champions. Seth Rollins is the only person on this brand that deserves that World Heavyweight Championship. Cody didn't need it, as proven by Brock Lesnar beating the living hell out of him and wanting to challenge him for to a fight. Uh, which I don't know if that's a stipulation or whatever, but you know if it's just you know let, you know false count anywhere, do you boo boo? But Seth Rollins is the only man for the job as the inaugural quote unquote WWE World Heavyweight Champion. He deserves that belt. He deserves to have that belt around this waist. He deserves to be the one that run to be the top guy of that brand. Cody's not gonna. I mean, if Cody wants to compete for the World Heavyweight Championship somewhere in the future, cool. Do you, boo boo? But other other than that, like seriously, and and this is the main reason why AJ Styles is now a SmackDown superstar, who just went over to SmackDown, right? What is the point? And what would be the point of AJ Styles winning the World Heavyweight Championship and going to going to Raw and not going with the OC? He showed up 
drafted to SmackDown with the OC. Gallows, Anderson, and Yim. It makes absolutely no sense for AJ Styles to win that championship and have to go back to Raw as a solo act. When the possibility of a OC bloodline feud is in the works, an OC LWO feud is in the works, you know, it would make all the sense in the world to keep AJ over on SmackDown, put on a solid dope-ass match with Seth Rollins, making a match of the year candidate, do the job, and let Rollins be the world champion. I don't get it for the life of me. I really don't. I don't understand it for the fucking life of me why you wouldn't want Seth Rollins to be your world champion. Just because he's working on a fucking movie. So what? Okay. Hell, if Roman Reigns is not on the fucking show every fucking week, we're going to do, and, and Rollins, for the time being, as world champion, may not be on the show every week if he is, the, is, is to become the world heavyweight champion. The title doesn't have to be shown every week, and Rollins doesn't always have to be there every fucking week. Roman Reigns has been doing that since, you know, for God knows how long. And especially with the introduction of the world title, Roman, uh, Triple H actually said it out fucking loud. Roman Reigns ain't going to be defending those world, those two championships as often as we think he should. Rollins is your world champion. He should be your world champion. I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, I haven't heard Solid Monster's case for AJ Styles becoming world champion as of yet, and that's not to say... That I would never doubt him because Salamonster is one of the best in the podcasting game when it comes to professional wrestling talk. But even I at times have to think in my mind, AJ Styles just got the SmackDown and there's no reason why he should go back to Raw as the World Heavyweight Champion without the squad with him. No sense. And then, and think of this too. The OC will flounder without AJ. They'll be, they'll, they'll be fine. Mia Yim will still be working in the uh, SmackDown Women's Division. Gallows Anderson could be gunning for the title, for the tag titles. That's all well and fucking dandy and shit. But the way I see it personally, Styles Reigns doesn't sound like a bad matchup at all, does it? For the world, for those two titles. For whatever you want to call it, the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship or whatever the fuck you want to call it. At the end of the day, Rollins is your world champion. I already, the second they unveiled that belt, the only person that came to my mind with that belt around their waist is Seth freaking Rollins. Sure, you could have thrown Finn Balor out there and Balor and Rollins had a good match. And of course, that nice little callback with the buckle bomb on the barricade. Very nice. Um, Seven years payback. But there's no other person on the planet, at least to me, that deserves that title than Seth Rollins. Like, I mean, what was it? The, the, The news of, you know, Roman defending it less. Let me see if I can look that up. Because I know there was some new, there was some weak news. There was some shit out there. I didn't listen to it this past week. Unfortunately. And that's my bad. Let me see here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, they're all about that, you know, that milestone and whatnot. You know, confirming, you know, Rollin Reigns is going to be in London for money in the bank. I hope so. I hope so. But seriously. I see no reason. I see no absolute reason why, you know. At, at this point in the game. You know, oh, that's what that's what it was. Um, Roman Reigns and Zola Sokoa might be walking out of Night of Champions with the tag titles. Why? 
Seriously, why? I mean, yeah, okay, granted, he's going to hit 1,000 days as world champion, you know, universal champion, hooray. You know what I'm saying? All good, all good, all good happiness and, you know, rainbows and all that shit. But. But Roman winning the tag titles in, in Saudi Arabia against Sammy and KO when, honestly, the reason you had the draft was to separate them and kind of pretty much end that little bit of the feud. So the so the since the Usos couldn't do the job, Roman and Solo believe they can, and then what's that gonna prove? And what's and what's that gonna do? Because think about it, what's that gonna do for the tag team division as a whole? Do what needs to be done, WWE. Get your head out of your fucking asses. Have Sammy and KO win, and retain the tag team championships. Because honestly, at this point, Sammy and KO have nothing to do with the Bloodline anymore. They beat the Usos at Mania. They beat them in the rematch. That's done. That that loose end is now tied up to me. At least the way I see it. That loose end is now officially tied up. Know what I'm saying? We don't need nothing else with this. So I guess after sat- next Saturday, then we can end that bit with the bloodline for good. Because the bloodline now, that storyline, the focus that needs to be put on this is the fall of the bloodline. And I've been saying that since WrestleMania. But at the end of the day, regardless, let me get back to Seth Rollins. At the end of the day, the only thing that honestly matters is that the right person becomes this new, and as I call it, the participation belt trophy, participation trophy championship, because that's basically what it is. Because WWE just couldn't and didn't have the heart to do what needed to be done and have Roman Reigns drop the titles. All this could have been avoided. If they had Rhodes beat Reigns. And honestly, if you really look back at it a month ago, really look back at it. What I said, what we all said was the truth. Reigns dropping the title was the best thing that would have happened. And honestly, you still could have been having the World Heavyweight Championship introduced anyway. It just would have probably been on SmackDown. I had been I had said that a month ago. I had said that a month ago. All you had to do was just have Roman drop the belts to Cody. Cody drops the Universal Championship. We get a newfangled, you know, modernized Wing Eagle Championship. We get a newfangled big gold on SmackDown. Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn could, could have competed for that a night of champions, and we still would have been all right. But granted that on the Tag Team Championships there, Roman could have just still competed for the World Heavyweight Championship. So in essence, like I said on the uh, post-WrestleMania episode of the YLP podcast, WWE proved us right. Sure as hell proved me right. And I hope WWE does the right thing and gives Seth Rollins the title he honestly deserves. When you put in the work that he did and carried a brand on your back with no top championship, being seen as the major focus of the uh, brand itself, yeah, you give Seth Rollins his flowers. WWE, this next Saturday, give Seth Rollins his flowers. Give him the World Heavyweight Championship. Let him do his movie shit. Figure out who's going to be the next first you know, person to actually get the shot. And from there, we will go. 
So that's going to conclude this opening salvo for episode 363 of the YLP podcast. When we come back, of course, y'all know I got more news in the form of over at Fightful.com. Sami Zayn thought he and Roman Reigns could headline WrestleMania after turn at the Royal Rumble. Also, news on Daniel Bryanson to be part of creative for the new AEW Collision upcoming Saturday show. We're going to talk about that on the other side of episode 363 of the YLP podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. With episode 363 of the YLP podcast. And before we get back into the news of the week, y'all know what time it is. Y'all know what I need to be doing. Of course, the shameless plugs, of course. Make sure y'all check out the family of Wrestle Addict Radio, not just the YLP podcast. And on Tuesdays, y'all know what it is. And if you don't, you're going to have to find out. It's the Brace for Impact podcast hosted by our boy, the new MCW heavyweight champion. And if I spoiled that, I don't care because it's a big accomplishment. Boy, it ain't the effing great. Talking about all things Impact Wrestling. The, of course, glory days of Impact Wrestling back in the day type stuff. If you weren't involved with that back then, of course, Nate will give you a wonderful journey as the Sherpa for the Brace for Impact podcast. That's on Tuesdays, every Wednesday night. Make sure you check out the Kings of the Rings, Kings of the Rings podcast hosted by our esteemed general manager, King Ricky Rose, the founder of the podcast itself will Terror shook and the legend that is k motherfucking murphy you have to say it like that it's like a pimp name slip back but it's the legend k motherfucking murphy just run with that every wednesday live on youtube twitch and twitter okay you'll, you'll find it on uh, of course if you didn't uh, catch the live show you can catch the uh, of course the live uh, show on youtube just search, uh, look for Kings of the Rings podcast on YouTube, KOTR underscore podcast on Twitch, and of course the same thing over on Twitter with the audio version live come, going on live on Thursday. Fridays kick off your weekend in proper YLP fashion. Well, not the proper YLP fashion, but uh, Fretzelmania fashion with the Fretzelmania podcast. I believe there was no show this week, but I believe he will be back next week. But he did a little do a little ditty on the uh fantasy booking of Kane ending the Undertaker streak. So if y'all want to go check that out, it's up right now over on podcasters.spotify.com slash radio, And of course, over on podcasters.spotify.com slash WrestleMania if he does put them up over there. That's your Friday. And of course, Saturday, you get to hang with me and I bring you all the news that's, good, uh, you know, fit for me to talk about. And of course, my uh, all, this, all the other stuff that comes with the YLP podcast every Saturday because that, ladies and gentlemen, is Wrestle Addict Radio, The Cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Let's get back into the news over here as we discuss over at Fightful.com. Sami Zayn thought he and Roman Reigns could headline WrestleMania after the turn at WWE Royal Rumble from Skylar Russell and Jeremy Lambert. Sami Zayn had WrestleMania dreams after turning on Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Fans around the wrestling world finally rejoiced when Sami Zayn smacked Roman Reigns in the back with a chair at the Royal Rumble Premium Live event. Sidebar, I do not like calling it PLEs. I think they're stupid. I like pay-per-views, but I understand the movement. Anyway, I digress. The moment had been anticipated for quite some time, as Reigns notoriously treated Zayn bad during his run as an honorary oos 
in the Bloodline. Zayn and Reigns would go on to have a critically acclaimed match at the Elimination Chamber Premium Live event, despite many fans thinking the two should have headlined WrestleMania 39. In a new interview with Mark Andrews, Zayn talked about the later stages of his story with the Bloodline and how he thought it would end up leading him to a match with Reigns at the Showcase of the Immortals, saying, quote, There was a time period going from Survivor Series building into the Rumble, and especially right before and right after the Rumble. I 100% thought, it could go to me and Roman at Mania, and it would be the best story, but that just wasn't in the cards. We talk about plans, and it's very hard to have a plan and stick with it. There are all these other variables. A variable pops up, which is Cordy's return. It was a good thing. There was no rejection. It was widely accepted, and they wanted him, and they wanted him in the role he came back in. They were happy to see him win the Rumble. They wanted him to dethrone Roman Reigns. Apparently that's Cat, but anyway... The stories even rubbed up on each other, where Cody rubbed up on us, we rubbed up on him, pause. And the whole thing was helping each other. Actually, actually <laughs> I get it, but you know, some people may not. It'd be like that, you know, if you're not a wrestling fan. Everybody was lifting everybody, which is a true fact. That's when wrestling is done right. Ele everyone is elevating one another. Obviously, Roman Reigns is the biggest star, but when you put me in there... Because it has a new layer, even if it's not something you could obviously, you could say out loud, Sami Zayn could elevate the bloodline because they are a top act. I gave it a new dimension. I helped them, but they helped me immensely at that point. Me interacting with the bloodline and Roman brought my stock up so much. Facts. It was a case of the tide rising for everybody. When Cody came back, it was the same thing. He's as huge a star. I was rubbing up with him. The tide was going up for everybody. That's what made that eight, nine month period exciting. It was fun to watch the whole tide rise for everybody involved. End quote. And of course, as uh, elsewhere in the interview, Zane talked about Cody Rhodes' loss at WrestleMania 39. If y'all want to check that out, there's a hyperlink to the article. If y'all want to go to Fightful.com and check this out. And of course, we know uh, Zane and Kevin Owens are going to be facing each other at Night of Champions for the tag titles, but they are going to be face to face. Uh, well, they are face. They will be face to face. Uh, they were face to face last night on episode of SmackDown. Um, but yeah. So I know for the longest time, a lot of people, including myself at some points, uh, were, were thinking about seeing a Zayn Reigns main event at WrestleMania 39. And we are, I mean, I mean, we had it in the back of our minds with Cody Rhodes and his injury at some point, you know. He was going to try to get back to the Rumble. And it, it made all sense in the world. Cody wins the Rumble. Cody goes uh, to WrestleMania, faces Roman, takes the title away from him. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus was. Anyway, I was in my sister. I grew for a second. Excuse me. Um, Damn, I had me, I had me feeling some type of nostalgia there, ladies and gentlemen. Anywho, but... um. But yeah, Cody, you know, we expected Cody to take the championship and then run with it as the WWE champion because that was pretty much finishing the story. Well, that didn't fucking happen. Yeah. But before Cody came back, and even when Cody came back, we were still hoping that Zayn and Reigns would have some would have something going down at uh, WrestleMania 39, whether it be the night one championship and all that stuff. But we kind of had, but once Cody won the Rumble, it made all the sense in the world for Cody to get Roman, but for Zayn and KO to go after the Usos. I mean, if anything, Jay and Sammy were, in terms of the storyline itself, were the most involved with each other. Of course, Jay not accepting Sammy into the bloodline for the longest time until War Games, and then Jay finally accepting Sammy in there. They're bros, all that good stuff. Everything's honky-dory, but Sammy's still understanding that, you know, Roman's still doing the same thing. 
to Sammy that he's doing to them. Sammy finally figured it out, and instead of actually doing what he needed to be done, he saves his homie, or, well, he hits Roman, which needed to happen, which kind of led to the entirety of all this stuff. So, I can understand why a lot of people, like I said, myself included, wanted to see Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns for the championship at WrestleMania. Even, you know, because a lot of people were saying, you know, Roman, you know, Sammy, Sammy versus Roman for the Universal Championship. Cody can take on Roman for the WWE title. Cody can finish the story there. Sammy Zayn can take the title from Roman. Roman could beat Sammy at WrestleMania, but lose to Cody at, on WrestleMania Sunday. However, you wanted to do it. And I think either way, it would have made sense. But the way the story was being constructed at that point, right after Elimination Chamber, you immediately knew going into the match, Sammy wasn't going to win. But also the main focus was for Sammy and Jay to kind of, you know, face each other at some point. And it would ha- and it was going to be at WrestleMania for the tag titles. I said it then, I said it then, and I'll say it the same way. It was always meant for Sammy and KO to face Jay and Jimmy at WrestleMania. It was always there, as long as they made it the main event of night one, which gladly, smartly, they did. Um, but that's not to say that Zayn versus Reigns at Mania wouldn't have been a thing too, and that would have still been, uh, you know, adored, beloved, and just appreciated by the fans as a whole. Also, would they be able to? I mean, it would be it would have been very hard to kind of recreate that moment that they had in Montreal with Sammy versus uh, Roman that they would at WrestleMania. That's not to say that it couldn't be replicated, but I think in that moment, I think I remember stating this on my review of uh, Elimination Chamber. It would have been very hard to it's that was a moment in time. That was a true moment in time. And that's why, well, part of the reason why I gave Samantha Irvin the MVP award for Elimination Chamber, because she killed it as an announcer and made that a much bigger fight feel than it was prior to. But at the, but at the end of the day, with everything that, you know, we wanted to see with the bloodline. And I know, like I said, a lot of people still wanted to see, you know, Sammy versus Roman at Mania. I would have loved it too. But the way the storyline was being set up, it made sense to do it in Montreal, dude. It would. It, but the, the cool thing is, I love that what Sammy said about the later stages of the story of the Bloodline, um, is that everybody elevated everybody. Even when Cody came back into the fold, everybody elevated everybody. Sammy was ele- Sammy and KO were elevating the Usos. Usos uh, uh, elevating Sammy. Um, Sammy, you know, helping up, you know, and. KO propping up Cody, Roman propping up Cody, and vice versa, all this stuff. So all of that is what you honestly want out of a storyline. You know, everybody elevated everybody to some point, especially within the part, especially in the Sammy KO Cody part of the storyline. It made a lot of sense to be able to have that be done. Everybody was lifting up everybody, which is very rare to see, especially in WWE nowadays, when you have a storyline like this. I mean, kudos to Vince McMahon to be able to actually have that storyline, but being able for Triple H to kind of take control of it, hopefully, and be able to kind of like, you know, continue to push that, but still be able to elevate everyone. That's a win for me. The way I see it, everybody won in that regardless of Cody, you know, regardless of the fact Cody did lose at WrestleMania, everybody elevated everybody at, you know, at some point. And that made all the sense in the world. That was the biggest thing that I took out of it, especially with what he's saying. Everybody elevated everybody. 
Sammy's interactions with the bloodline going and then the, of course Roman with Sammy, Roman with KO, Roman with Cody, all this stuff. Everybody got the love. Everybody got the rub. It made sense. And like Sammy said, that's when wrestling is done right. Everyone is elevating one another. And you don't see that often, especially in WWE. That's not to say it's not done, but in a storyline like this where you have a longe- a very good longevity. Excuse me. When you have good longevity of a storyline, that's when wrestling is done correctly. So, I mean, trust me, a lot of people like like Sammy wanted to see him versus Roman at Mania. It's unfortunate, but hey, we got a damn good possible match of the year candidate between Sammy and Roman at uh, Elimination Chamber in Montreal. Let's head over to WrestleZone.com and finish off the mid-card segment for episode 363 of the YLP podcast with a story from WrestleZone.com. And Brian Danielson is reportedly going to be a part of creative for AEW Collision. This is from Robert DeFelice. According to a new report, Brian Danielson will be a part of the creative team for the upcoming Saturday show, AEW Collision. I believe this was announced this past Wednesday. I didn't watch, but I kind of had an idea that that was the announcement that was going to be made. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Select has reported that Brian Danielson will be aiding Tony Khan with creative for the upcoming AEW Saturday Collision series. The report also notes that Pat Buck, Sanjay Dutt, QT Marshall, and Will Washington comprise the creative team currently. And one time, shout out to Will Washington um, for joining AEW. I've been a fan of his for a little bit, uh, especially uh, if you guys know about uh, Parts of Unknown's Quizzlemania. Um, he was hilarious on that show. I believe he uh, was on the show for on his birthday, uh, competing on there, and um, forgot to make plans to pick up his, have his child be picked up. Um, during um, him being on the show of Quizzle Media, which was hilarious. Um, he's really, I think he's really cool people. Um, it's a really big deal for him to be part of the AEW team. And of course, as a, you know, biracial man in America, black man first. Um, it's really cool to see uh, a guy like Will Washington be able to, you know, be a part of that fold and be able to be part of that. It is fantastic to see. So Will Washington being on there always is awesome. Names such as Christopher Daniels and Dean Malenko also provide creative input occasionally. Daniel is no stranger to the creative process during his final run in w- with WWE. Danielson was helping with the creative for Friday Night SmackDown. Big E accredited Danielson as someone who believed in him as a singles competitor when he was drafted away from Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. WrestleZone will provide continue to provide updates regarding AEW Collision as more information is known. This is a really big deal for me. I think I love the fact that Daniel we got like Pat Buck, Sanjay Dutt, QT Marshall, Will Washington, Brian Danielson, Christopher Daniels, Dean fucking Malenko. I didn't even know he was linked with freaking AEW at any given point. I know like, uh, you know, the AEW collision thing is a really big deal, especially now that dark and dark elevation are pretty much going out of the way, which honestly makes all the fucking sense in the world. I get why they had, you know, elevation and elevation dark, I don't fucking know, but, and I know the drama surrounding it with CM Punk being like the central figure, all that stuff. And we'll talk about, you know, the ace steel shit in a second. Uh, and then in the next, in a, you know, in the main event segment of today's episode, but granted, you know, given the fact that, you know, this is supposed to be like a hard brand, uh, you know, ordeal and all this shit. 
honestly, the fact that you're going to have Danielson, guys like Danielson, Marshall, Sandre Dutt, Pat Buck, who honestly was killing it in WWE, you know, Will Washington, Christopher Daniels, Dean Malenko, those are some names. Those are guys who know the business. That's not the thing. Will Washington doesn't know the business. But, um, you know, you have, a, you have a solid core group of guys who are going to be part of that creative team. And I think that, you know, it's going to create a very, very not com- I wouldn't necessarily say competitive um, thing between Collision and Dynamite. But, you know, it, it allows for, you know, them to see how they would book it. And of course, Tony Khan being the will be overseeing creative, I'm, I'm assuming, um, for the most part. But it's but it's a fantastic thing. With the entirety of, you know, Collision going down. Now you're just going to have two shows to focus on. You don't have to worry about Dark, Elevation, all that stuff. Hope, I mean, all you have to worry about now is just three shows. Dynamite, Ring of Honor, Collision. That's it. You don't have to worry about nothing else. You don't have to worry about doing Dark, Dark Elevation, all that stuff. Because that's a lot of content in a week. So you're doing, what, five five hours of AEW for Wednesday and Saturday. There will be a hard brand. You know, it's going to be a hard brand split between uh, Dynamite and Collision. Um, and then you have Ring of Honor Thursdays. There's a lot of room for talent to get, you know, their notoriety and get their name. You know, what that means for, you know, tag team championships and all that stuff going forward. We'll see that when we get there. But I'm really, really happy with this. I'm really, you know, because Danielson, I, I mean, the fact that Danielson, you know, was the one of the ones who was being part of the creative for Friday Night SmackDown is a win. So he already has the experience. You have names, you know, like, I mean, the fact that you have freaking, you know, Dean Malenko in on that is, is absolutely fantastic. I'm quite happy with that. I'm a big fan of that. I ain't mad at that. It's just a beautiful thing. And I think, and I want to speak about AEW just for a moment because with the, with the collision, with collision, I mean, it looked a little bit like a nitro. Um, <laughs> just, just me. It could be a, a lot of people are seeing it differently, but to know that, I mean, looking at the poster, you're seeing Jungle Boy, Brian Danielson, Powerhouse, uh, let's see, Hangman, that look like a moose. Actually, that's Scorpio Sky. My bad. Thunder Rosa. You know, uh, they're saying you know, you know, there's Miro, Samoa Joe, Thunder Rosa, Powerhouse Hobbs, Andrade El Idolo. You know, this is really big. This is a really freaking big deal um, for AEW to be able to do this and to be able to have, you know, and of course, with the expansion of the uh, AEW roster, it was needed. It was honestly needed and something that AEW needed to do for a hot minute. And it wasn't going to help the cause with, you know, dark elevation and all that stuff. It really wasn't. I mean, I'm sure whoever, if you guys did watch AEW Dark and Dark Elevation and you loved it and you're sad it goes away, then understand you have my sympathy with that. I feel you. But with Collision, I think it gives that proper, and even with Rampage going away, I thought that was a best, that was a solid decision too, um, because at times you're gonna have to compete. I mean, especially now with the uh, NBA playoffs going on, MLB, all that stuff. You know, it's hard to do it on Saturday night, uh, Friday nights, and the the viewership on Rampage wasn't as hot for Rampage as it was for, you know, Dynamite. I think with Dynamite and Collision. I think you'll be able to actually showcase talent that you normally don't get to see as often and be able to do different kind of different storylines than you may not be able to do if you just had dynamite. Feel what I'm saying? So that's so that's kind of like where I'm at with that. It was it was inevitable. Like I said, these they have a huge roster now, and you know, it being able to just kind of cut the filler out, cut out rampage, dark and dark elevation, 
all that stuff. You can now focus on, you know, just those two shows for Dynam for AEW. And then you have your Ring of Honor side, have a crew for that too. That's it. That's all you really needed. And it's all you need going forward. That's it. It's not hard. And to have Danielson on there who has a mind like of the business like nobody's business, you know, that's a big fucking deal. That's a really big deal. Like like QT Marshall, you know, it may not be the biggest name in, in AEW, but I know he has a mind for the business. Sanjay Dutt, I've watched him since he was TNA. He's he's going to be great for the creative. Pat Buck, WWE's biggest export. <laughs> One of WWE's biggest exports. Um, you know, moving over to AEW, man, and he's going to put a lot of input into it. Christopher Daniels is going to put a lot of input, input into it. How do you got, how Dean Malenko is part of AEW, I don't know. But I'm really happy to see this is actually happening. They're going to have just two shows for AEW every single week, not having to worry about so much filler. Because Rampage to me was filler. I've rarely watched it. And if I did, I mean, wasn't bad. It was just, you know, something I didn't watch regularly because my mind was just more focused on Dynamite as opposed to Rampage. But good to see that, you know, now they're going to have, you know, once I get, you know, once I check out more news of the actual, you know, the actual split between Dynamite and Collision, I can probably give more input onto it, but I don't have the information right now, at least for me, you know, but I'll have to go out my way to find it. But um, as far as it goes, Danielson, as part of the creative team, while running with BCC, I think it's just going to be fantastic. I think it's going to make waves. And uh, I think Collision actually could be in a good position, excuse me, to actually make some waves. And be able to be that B show that AEW needs. Rampage wasn't it. And that's not to say that Collision can't be. But I think it has a better chance to be. You feel me? With that being said, that's going to conclude the mid-card segment of episode 363 of the YLP podcast. When we come back, we're going to get deep dive into the main eventual segment. As we head over to SEScoops.com and take a deep dive into, apparently this is a really big controversy right now. A-Steel being rehired by AEW several months ago, quote-unquote, to work with Tony Khan on creative. And Drew McIntyre, finally we get to hear something about Drew McIntyre, expected back in WWE once creative issue is worked out. And I'll kind of give you my idea of who McIntyre could be in, well, I was going to say AEW, yikes, but what he, what kind of character he could be on Monday Night Raw. And we'll talk about that in the main event segment of episode 363 of the YLP podcast, we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all know what time it is. It is time for the main eventual segment of episode 363 of the YLP podcast. And I got a couple doozies of articles for y'all for this uh, to kick, uh, pretty much end this episode, not kick off, to end this episode properly and for us to go into the weekend as we always normally do. But let us begin over at sescoops.com, y'all. I know there's a lot of been been a lot of uh, noises of late, you know, with CM Punk possibly coming back in the fold pretty soon, and one Ace Steel possibly coming back into the fold. But SE Scoops apparently has a deep dive 
into Ace Steel being rehired by AEW several months ago to work with Tony Khan on creative. It seems Ace Steel has been with AEW all along after reports of a potential return to the company. This is from Tyree Simon and Andrew Ravens. All Elite Wrestling is in an interesting situation as fans are curious about the alleged backstage drama. On May 17th, Warner Brothers Discovery announced AEW's third weekly TV show, AEW Collision, which will appear on TNT on Saturday, June 17th. I believe their first five dates are going to be part of the freaking Canadian tour, which I know my boy Fretz is amped about. Anywho, the likes of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter reported the news of the third show to feature CM Punk as he makes his long-awaited return after his notorious incident after All Out on September 4th, 2022. For fans unfamiliar, CM Punk and AEW backstage manager Ace Steel got into an altercation with the Elite, Kenny Omega, Matt, and Nick Jackson. Excuse me. Steel had allegedly bit Omega on his arm during the incident. This resulted in Steel getting fired and Punk and the Elite being suspended from AEW. Punk was also recovering from an injury during his suspension as he suffered a torn triceps injury during his match against John Moxley at All Out last year. The Elite has since returned to the company and Punk was reportedly set to make his comeback, but fans were surprised that he was left off the marketing for AEW Collision based on reports that he would be a featured member of the brand. I mean, I heard that he was going to be like, this was going to be the entirety of, like, that was going to surround him. Nonetheless, multiple wrestling news outlets had different reports on what happened between Punk and AEW as to why he was not involved in the AEW collision marketing. Fightful Select reported that when Chris Jericho met with CM Punk to hash out their differences after Punk posted a scathing Instagram post about Jericho and Moxley. It's worth noting Jericho publicly shared that after All Out, he told Punk that he was, quote, cancer to the locker room and a detriment to the company. Legitimate. Saying, quote, yeah, in the meeting to reportedly fix their relationship, Fightful Select shared that quote, Jericho mentioned the possibility of Ace Steel returning to the company in some capacity, but the belief that people working together in harmony could alleviate, alleviate some tensions and show that everyone was willing to do business, end quote. The report also stated this week, AEW and Punk had a meeting in, in which Punk was told that Steel could work for the company again and work with him. However, he couldn't appear backstage at w AEW TV, and the report shared that Punk wasn't happy about the decision. Tough shit. Uh, PW Insider Mike Johnson reported a similar report on about the situation and shared that, quote, we do know that Impact Wrestling sources noted today that they had interest in bringing Ace Steel in for a tryout. And when the invitation was passed on several weeks ago, their belief was that he meant, was meant, was that meant, my apologies, he was AEW or WWE bound. So the timing fits in that a return was on the table for Steel. Wrestling Observer's newsletter, Wrestling Observer's uh, Dave Meltzer reported today, uh, as of a few days ago, I'm not sure when this uh, article actually happened. Oh, actually about a day ago or so ago. Um, reported uh, yesterday that he'd heard conflicting rumors about Steel's status with the company. Quote, one of the stories that I've heard in the last week or so regarding this with Ace Steel was that he may be hired. He may have already been hired, and again, people denied that to me as well. And nobody knew except for Tony and one or two people, Ace and Punk, about this. It's not like other people knew anything about it. And I got it from certain people who I know that are on a certain side that doesn't talk to me, but they do. He goes on to say, quote, Tony did not want Ace at the buildings. Punk thought and Ace thought that he would be very he would be at every collision show with Punk. And he was told that no, he can work here, supposedly. But whatever, whatever it was, he was not going to be at the buildings. 
He also shared that he was told punk people that he th- had thought Punk reportedly not coming to terms with Steel's position was the final straw with Punk, but mentioned the WBD believes AEW and Punk will make amends. However, a new report gave more insight into Steel's position in AEW, and that was he was rehired a while ago. House of Wrestling reported uh, reports confirmed that Steel was rehired uh, several months ago, and has been working remotely after his incident in All Out. It's not revealed exactly when, but it was reported shortly after last year's altercation. Based on the report, what is more surprising, I don't know why they have a comment there, but anywho, what's more surprising is that Steele was in talks to be involved with AEW Creative. Uh, quote, Upon Steele's rehiring, he was told he would be working with Tony Khan on Creative in some capacity, but his, backstage, but his presence backstage would upset some of the talent, said the report. The report shared that there was an understanding that Steele would be involved backstage when AEW Collision would debut next month. However, it wasn't until May 16th that Steele and Punk were told that the former backstage producer couldn't return to the road. Uh, It also added, quote, Following that, there was some miscommunication between lawyers and subsequently Punk was pulled from the Collision announcement. That said, Punk is still with AEW. And it sounds like he is motivated and wanting to help the company's growth however he can. Punk's relationship with Tony Khan also appears to be on sound footing, with no issues between the two men and communication remaining open, end quote. Punk's return to AEW has been complicated. However, AEW fans must let the situation play out until it resolves. A lot of that to unpack. <laughs> A lot of that to unpack there. Um, if it is legitimate that Steel was um, rehired months ago, so be it at this point. But the call to have Steel work remotely makes all the sense in the world because, yeah, there's talent in the company that probably don't want to deal with him, namely Omega and the Bucks. I understand. Um, I'm sure paths, uh, you know, miscommunication got crossed up and all this stuff. But, yeah, I would not have Steel work anywhere near the the AEW um, collision backstage anywhere, period. I mean, I understand that's uh, that's Punk's boy and all that and all that good stuff. But let's, let's be truthfully honest with here. Um, being involved in that fight, biting Omega, all that good shit. Yeah, there's a reason you got fired. Be thankful that you have a job again. But yeah, as far as it goes, and I'm sure Tony Khan made this decision himself. Um, yeah, um, in terms of you actually being at collision shows, more than likely that's not going to be a thing, and you're going to have to accept that. And I'm sure Punk probably got, felt some type of way about that, but he was involved with it too, and. He needs to understand that he does not have as much leverage as he thinks he does. He doesn't. I don't know if he knows he doesn't, but he doesn't. You know, he was involved with it. And then what he did after at the press conference didn't really help the cause for anyone. Let's be real about that as well. So, Punk coming back makes sense. He's going to come back. I mean, we talked about this a while back. Punk's going to come back. And that's okay. As long as that, you know, Punk minds his P's and Q's and, you know, hopefully makes amends with the elite, which is kind of what he needs to do in the first place, which is what I said back, you know, when we first reported about, you know, Jericho and Punk, you know, being able to have a meeting with each other. The biggest thing about that is, is that for this to be somewhat harmony, I think you keep the, if you're going to do, you know, a a somewhat hardcore brand split, which has been reported as well. You keep Punk and the Elite away from each other. Punk, the Elite goes on Dynamite and Punk stays on Collision. And you don't need them to be worrying about each other. You can only worry about have them deal with each other, you know, when it comes to like their big four shit. But 
as far as it goes with Steel, let him work remote. You know, as far as him getting rehired, okay, that's a decision they can make, and that's a decision that makes sense. Um, you know, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at the, the fact that you know he did get his job back. You know, I'm sure people. You know, I'm sure Punk, like I said, feels some type of way about him not being able to be at Collision shows. But you know, when you when Punk did what he did, he has to be the one to make amends. He can't be the one that because, like I said, he had really doesn't have any le- leverage. And when Jericho literally said he's a cancer to the locker room and a detriment to the company, um, yeah, that he has every right to say that. Especially with what he said after. You know, will CM Punk be in part of a collision? More than likely. And that's okay. That's not that's not the wrong thing. You know, there's like the, the world rumors have been swirling for a long time now. So I wouldn't be surprised if CM Punk is, is a part of the collision roster when it goes down um, on June 17th. But as far as it goes with Steel, yeah, he doesn't need to be there. He doesn't. He can work there, but yeah, he's not going to be in the building working with, you know, AEW. And that's perfectly fine. Like, that's the big thing for me. Like, yeah, I mean, a lot of talent like would be really pissed off. And you and the one the last thing you want to do is piss off your talent. You know, same kind of thing when, you know, Vince McMahon came back and a lot of the talent really thought that, you know, their jobs were going to be gone because Vince McMahon is back. And a lot of the talent that Triple H either brought back or brought into the fold um, would be uh, losing their jobs. And I can understand it, too. So it's understandable that AEW talent definitely wouldn't want to see a steal around. You know, until everything, until we see legitimately everything. We're going to leave it at that. Let, let this, let's let's see how the situation plays out once it resolves, and then we can go from there. But the key thing, and I'll still say this, Punk needs to be the one to make amends with the Elite, not the other way around. This was on Punk. Elite had, a, had to do something with it, but as far as it goes, I think Punk was the instigator in all of it. So it's going to be up to Punk. If, if the meeting with Jericho went well, and I hope that he does, uh, he meets up with the Elite at some point, Punk's going to be that to be the first one to say, my bad, I'm sorry, I apologize. That was my fault. Because he's got to own that. But we'll see how everything goes. But we will leave this week talking about Drew McIntyre. And uh, there's a, there's one person that I'm cool with um, who's been asking me, what, what's going on with Drew, all this stuff. Well, here's what's going on with Drew. From WrestlingJunkie.USA.com, USAToday.com, Drew McIntyre expected back in WWE once creative issue is worked out. This is from Nick Tillwalk. As WWE settles in with this, its new Raw and SmackDown rosters and gets things in place for Night of Champions and beyond, one big name who has been conspicuous by his absence is Drew McIntyre. The Scottish Warrior hasn't wrestled since he unsuccessfully tried to win the Intercontinental Championship from Gunta in a match that also involved Sheamus on Night 2 of WrestleMania 39. I don't care what y'all say about Night 2, though. That triple threat was an absolute banger. Grade A, 100% certified Banger. And don't get it twisted. Anyway, McIntyre was drafted to Raw a few weeks ago, but he is yet to make an appearance. He caused a bit of stir among fans online last month when he removed WWE references from his Twitter bio and blacked out his profile pic, a status quo that remains in effect today. Literally, I actually 
looked at it uh, with a hyperlink, and yeah, it's still blacked out. Well, let us be sure, though, because I, I did this prior to recording today, so let's see if it's still legitimately blacked out. You never know. It'd be like that sometimes. Yep, it's still blacked out. Still blacked out. Okay, so we can confirm it is still blacked out. We will see how that goes. But anywho, let's get back into the article. Naturally, that led to speculation that McIntyre was looking to leave WWE. While that's still possible. Now, mind you, DeBeculich did the same thing. So, And she came back. So we good. Dave Meltzer reported in his latest Wrestling Observer newsletter that he's expected to return at least for now. And that the holdup is basically more of a, create, a creative issue regarding what they want, what he wants, and when they agree to it. The longer term uncertainty about his future is because, according to Meltzer, the two sides have yet to agree on a new deal, and that his time of inactivity can be used to extend its current contract if WWE desires. The report also states that McIntyre, to the best of our knowledge, has not asked to leave. Going elsewhere worked out for the best for McIntyre in the past, as he stalled out in WWE in 2014 and ended up being released. He spent the next three years performing in TNA in various indie promotions and returned to WWE in 2017, a much more viable main event caliber talent. He needed those three years. We know this to be true, and we and he I'm, and he has been happier than a pig in shit since. The circumstances are different now. If McIntyre were to head to say AEW, he would be presented as a major incoming star. But the expectation is that he'll stay put, at least for now, and potentially help fill the need for more top-level heels, though he continues to be listed as a face for the time being. The bigger question is whether he'll get a world championship run in a non-pandemic setting. McIntyre's fans would no doubt love to see that, and it appears there's still a chance for it once everything gets worked out. Because a lot, I know a lot of people, I personally, I personally know some people, but I know a few people in particular that I, um, I talk to, outside of uh, the YLB podcast, are very concerned about Drew McIntyre and what's going on with him and his status. Now that we kind of have an idea of where it's at, um, at least, you know, from what this report states, you know, it's it's basically of a, it's usually one of two things. And Jim Ross always famously said, it's usually one of two things that most, you know, it's the two C's, cash and creative. Either I want more money on my contract or I want something better creatively for my career. That's understandable. Um, in the terms of McIntyre going to Raw, I honestly believe, and the best case scenario for Drew McIntyre is to turn heel. There, that is the best case scenario for Drew. I mean, I would, I mean, honestly, Drew McIntyre as a heel, I think would be awesome to see. Beautiful character development and bringing back Broken Dreams as his actual theme song would be super cool as a heel, uh, a heel theme song. Because it makes sense. I mean, the current one that he has now, that's his babyface thing. But I think Broken Dreams as a theme song, as as a heel gimmick, that would be fantastic. You know, it's rare that you see a heel, you know, you have the face uh, theme and a the heel theme. It's a rarity in professional wrestling as a whole. But I think Drew McIntyre's Broken Dreams, that, that theme is perfectly made for him as a heel. That is a fantastic, hey, that's a fantastic fucking theme song. But I think for that as a heel, whoo, that would be great. I think that's, that is the best case scenario for Drew. That's me personally, because that's not to say that Drew couldn't come back as a face, but I think if we want to see him possibly as a future world champion and a future WWE world heavyweight champion, I think him coming back as a heel and just gunning for it would be sensational. I mean, let's go take a look. Let's take a look at our raw roster real quick and just kind of get an idea of, you know, who he would be able to face as a heel as a heel. 
because I think that'll kind of give us a better idea of like you know who he would face as a as a face, you know. Do to do. Let's go post draft because that makes all the fucking sense in the world. We'll go post draft. Go raw. Boom. Okay. Let me see. Let me let me see. I mean, you could have. I mean, Drew McIntyre on the roster itself is gonna be banger. It's gonna be fantastic. But think of you know him and Dexter Loomis, him and Cody Rhodes, him and Chad Gable, him and Bronson Reed is a possibility, even though they both would be heels. Him and Johnny Gargano, Kevin Owens, Matt Riddle, not Massey, not Massey. Um, Odyssey Jones, that would be actually a surprisingly good feud. Uh, let me see if Ricochet, Seth Rollins for the world title, him and Shinsuke would be an absolute insanity banger. Like, you have possibilities. Now, if you're looking at his faces, Rick, him against Ricochet would be nice. Rollins, nice. Nakamura, nice. I don't know if they're turning him as a heel yet, but either way. Riddle, fire. Owens, babyface right now, fire. Him and Johnny Gargano, fire. Possible match with Gunter again, banger. Balor, yes. Damian Priest, yes. The possibilities are there. Apollo Crews, him and Braun Strowman. There's possibilities for him as a heel to actually compete and gun for world championships. I think it just makes sense for Drew McIntyre to come back as a heel. We he's been a he's been a face for how long now? He, I think he's honestly he's been a face since he came back in 2017 in NXT. I don't think he's I don't think he's actually turned. And even with the triple threat um, at WrestleMania, he wasn't—he he didn't turn then either. So he's basically gone six years as a face of the company, as like a face in WWE since his return to like to NXT. He has been a straight up face. I think now is a good time to kind of get him into the fold as a heel. I think that would that would give uh, the creative team a lot of possibilities. I think you get some fresher matchups. I think you can easily see McIntyre be slid into a main event feud with Seth Rollins, assuming they make him the World Heavyweight Champion at Night of Champions. You can have amazing feuds with the likes of Cruz, Nakamura. Chad Gable could be a possibility. Ricochet. You have possibilities there. You have chance. You have choices to do. Him and Johnny Gargano would be crazy. Him and Dexter Loomis, I think, would be a banger. Him and Bronson Reed absolutely would be a, a major Haas match, um, uh, as what we like to call uh, meet some meat slapping majesty around here in WrestleMania Radio. Those, if you know, you know. But that would be some good meat slapping majesty over there. The possibilities are there. I think the possibility is there for Drew McIntyre to be a heel. I think it just makes sense. You know, I do hope that WWE kind of really takes care of that and really allows Drew to kind of be like, you know, they're not going to give him full creative control, but I want to, I would like to see Drew McIntyre have a little bit of control over what he wants to do if he decides to come back as a heel. Again, it just makes sense for him to be a heel. He's been a face since he returned in 2017. I think it's time we actually get to see a different side of Drew McIntyre in WWE. That's just me, but you could let me know with a voice message or email, all that good stuff. But ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude episode 363 of the YLP podcast. Not a lot of news this week that I um, was down to find, but hey, it bees what it bees. It is what it is. We got it in like we should. When we come back, we're going to close out the show in proper YLP fashion and get you ready for episode 364 of the YLP podcast. 
We'll be right back, y'all. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 363 of the YLP Podcast. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I'll greatly and truly appreciate it because y'all know how I do. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions about today's episode or any of the other 362 episodes of the YLP Podcast, do not hesitate to hit your boy up with a voice message over on podcasters.spotify.com slash Perspective or podcasters.spotify.com slash WrestleAddictRadio. You can also leave your boy a nice little email over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com. If you want to follow me on all my social media, you can follow me over on Twitter at YL Perspective, over on Instagram at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective, and over on Facebook, simply search for Young Lions Perspective Podcast. And of course, you can find this podcast not only on uh, Podcasters uh, for Spotify, but also you can find it on Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. I haven't shouted that uh, squadron out in quite some time. Shout out to where Terry Shook, the founder of APS. So, you know, got to do, do the thing one time. You can also find this podcast, of course, on you know, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Next week, of course, it's Memorial Day weekend, a very big weekend as someone who is uh, from the state of New Jersey. is a very big deal. Uh, MDW, Lucho Drunk Wino, um, <laughs> for the memes and for the boys. But yes, it is Memorial Day weekend. And that means a couple pay-per-views are going down. Now, let's keep this one thing straight. I won't be watching Double or Nothing live. So I will be doing a preview for it. I will be doing predictions for it, but I will not be doing a review for Double or Nothing reasons. But I will be doing a uh, review for Night of Champions. Don't not sure if I'm gonna catch that one live, but uh, we'll make sure to do uh, check that uh, check out Night of Champions, of course, and make sure you know I do a nice little preview of predictions and review for that as well. So premium predictions for both Double or Nothing and for Night of Champions, but no review for Double or Nothing going the week after. So keep that in mind. Also, we'll do a little bit of news uh, just to kind of get you ready for Night of Champions. I know usually when I do Saturday shows on the days where there are PLEs or pay-per-views kind of hurts a little bit but I still do it nonetheless because I want to get my predictions out there because I have a very solid record going okay I have a very solid record going I don't want to mess that up 36 and 7 is not a bad record at all it's a beautiful record 36 and 7 on the year I feel good about that you know what I mean so we're going to keep trying to keep that momentum going as best as we kid can and, and could so yeah again preview predictions for double or nothing and night of champions review for night of champions going down in a couple of weeks time so just keep that in mind when you're like what you do a double or nothing review i told y'all i told y'all this in episode 363 so y'all can't bitch all right other than that y'all enjoy the rest of your weekend have a fantastic weekend i'll see you guys right back here for mucho drunk wino memorial day weekend episode 364 of the ylp podcast see you Rest in peace, Jim Brown.
This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.